And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Our guest today is Mark Indig. Mark is uh, from the Los Angeles area. He's a retired movie executive uh, from the film industry, worked on movies like The Titanic. You may have heard of that one. And uh, he's also quite a photographer. He is the uh, series winner of the Los Angeles Center for Photography uh, Street Photography Award for this year. That's where I met him. Met him on a call for the LACP um, Street Week. And uh, so I knew when, when I saw his work, we have to get him on here. So, Mark, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for uh, your selecting me for this honor. It's really a privilege. Uh, no, it's my privilege. I just, I just love talking to photographers, especially really good ones. And, you know, that's how I learn. You know, the, this, this magazine and this podcast, it's, it's basically, you know, my journey in trying to be a better photographer. Believe me, I've got a long way to go for that. And so I just love talking to people who are really good at it and very creative. Of course, you're one of them. So, Mark, why don't you uh, just tell us briefly about how you got into photography and maybe how that ties into the movie industry that you worked in for so many years. Well, I always wanted to be in the movies. Uh, I, I, I didn't think I had any talent whatsoever, so I went into production and when I was living in New York City. And, uh, the, you know, one of the first jobs I got was being a production assistant. but um right after that i transitioned into scouting locations and i really knew nothing about photography at that point but i had to learn teach myself very quickly and in those days we're talking about the uh early mid 70s there was no digital there was no one hour photo there was just a polaroid 195 camera which was the uh tool of the trade and you load in eight you blow in a cartridge of eight Polaroid pictures into your camera with the 3000 film, and you could basically take a picture in a cave. It was really pretty amazing. But then you'd have to take panoramas in order to show the director who wasn't going to be there until maybe he, we were shooting what the place looked like in 180 degrees, both directions. So you'd spend a lot of evenings pasting these things together and uh, putting them on uh, manila folders and if you were scouting out of town shipping them back to the the office and that's kind of how i learned photography because the polaroid 195 is you know one of those few polaroids that had a, a shutter speed and f-stop ring and you had to be able to to shoot in any condition and i scouted locations for 15 years for both commercials and movies. And it taught me also how to take one picture of a location that told a story about it. So the, the director, you know, the script might say exterior house, that's all you have. But in reading the script and maybe talking to the director or the production designer, that house becomes a character in the movie. So I learned how to try to tell a story about a, a location with one picture or a panorama of a, of a location. And I think that's what, if anything sets me apart now, it's that, that I, 
you know, I have a sort of a cinematic style. And, you know, hopefully when you look at my pictures, you, you, you get a sense of what I'm, what I saw. And that this building or farm or whatever it is, is a special character. That's my goal. I never thought of that, making a, thinking of a place as a character, but it makes a lot of sense. Well, you know, in a movie, you know, you, you really train that way because the, everything has kind of an equal value. The, the cast, the locations, the set building, the set dressing, the props, the wardrobe, all contributes to a look or create, they're all character, they all create characters in the movie. And it's the place where they are is a very important thing that tells you everything about them. Are they in a Victorian house? Are they in a suburban house? Are they in a condo? You know, that tells you with, in two seconds, it tells you a lot about the character in the movie without having half an hour of backstory. So you've been a lot of places. You must have traveled all over the world scouting locations. Um, is there any one experience? He's showing me his tattoo, 50-50. Well, okay, what's that all about? There was a point several years ago where I achieved a, a goal I had for a long time of um, working or traveling or shooting in fifty all 50 states and 50 oh. countries. Now, a lot of people have been in... 50 states, and a lot of people have been in 50 countries or more, but very few have been and done both. So uh, I, I, it, it's, it's one of the proudest things. It's not, really an, it's not really anything creative that I've done, but I'm just, <laughs> I just love to see the world. And I have a kind of a specialty of small-town America. It's kind of my passion. Yeah, that's obvious, which we're, we're going to get into in a minute. Well, you must be proud of it because you had it. Have it had it etched into your shoulders. <laughs> That's really cool. So is there any one place, any one project that that sticks out the most? That's had a big effect on your life. Um, I think the one that had the biggest effect until until I started doing um, a project on the Los Angeles River. Um, my photographs were mainly one-offs. You know, I would see something really interesting and shoot it. And, you know, I, there was a lot of enjoyment in that, and I learned a lot. But I got fascinated with the LA River, so much so that I actually founded a, a tour com photo tour company that took people on tours of the LA River, which was mainly trespassing the entire <laughs> tour. <laughs> I mean, we had bolt, signs, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we had to cross the live railroad tracks, and we had bolt cutters, and uh, <laughs> people would people would pay us to because believe it or not, the LA River is this big concrete ditch mm -hmm. uh, covered with graffiti at the time. Um, but people from all over the world were fascinated by it because there were you know there's very hardly anywhere in the world it, it, where it looks like that. Um, there's one river in South America, one in, I think, is it, um, maybe it was Berlin. Um, I can't remember. But anyway, the LA River is pretty unique. And uh, I did that, I was taking pictures of that for five years, and I, it taught me how to uh, do a project, create a body of work about one subject. Mm -hmm. which I really needed to, in order to advance myself 
as an artist, I needed to learn how to do that. And, you know, over five years, I assembled a really large body of work of the LA River. And, you know, I used all the principles I talked about before about how I shot them and how I organized them. And um, we made no money doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I had a great time. And people were amazed by what they saw. Well, I'm going to ask your advice since you've done this like a million times. Um, you know, I've been, I moved three years ago to a smaller town and I've been wanting to start a project. What can I do around here? And I, and I decided not long ago that I would do it about life along our railroad tracks. We have railroad goes right through our town, cuts it, actually cuts it into quarters, not quarters, but into four pieces. And, you know, people live along the tracks and work along the tracks and, you know, use them every day. And I'm trying to think, okay, how do I approach this? Okay. So if you were to approach something like that, what would you do? <laughs> well, I, I think it's a great idea. I love following things. I love following rivers. And I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you my next project, which is very similar to what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I, I, the, the place, the places in the United States where I've spent the least amount of time are the Plains states. Mm-hmm. So we're talking about Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota. And I said, how can I, I really want to explore these areas uh, with a camera, which, because when I was there before, I really wasn't into photography. It's been a long time. What can I do? So I kept looking at the map and looking at the map. Looking at a map, either online or with a paper map, is the best way to plan a project like you're talking about. Hmm. To you know, fly over you and Google Earth, to, to just study a map, see what towns it goes through, what the access points are. So anyway, I've been looking, trying to figure out how can I do this project? How can I make a project? I know I want to screw around, but these are huge states. How do I, yeah. in, a, in a week, I use my, my, my usual projects are about a week. That's all it takes. Like the, the Connecticut River one I just did um, was only a week. So I kept looking at the map until I discovered there is one road, uh, US, U.S. Route 81. Mm-hmm. One road that starts in Fort Worth, Texas and goes almost due north without stopping until the Canadian border. 1,200 miles of one road. That's my project. Perfect. Now, it's very much like a railroad track, right? Yeah. So, um, you know, my, my goal is, it, what makes it a little easier for me is I can drive this road. And, you know, I, my, my goal is to stay, to stay within a kind of a half a mile of the Mm-hmm. of the road because that inc- would include the towns on either side and i my suggestion to you would be to not only do the tracks mm-hmm. but it's the same thing i do with this project and my river projects is to include some rigorous limitation like 100 yards or half a mile or a mile of the tracks because the tracks don't the tracks the railroad affects not just the, the the wood and the steel of the track, but the communities that are about about it. Yep. 
and it they go it goes to all kinds of places, you know, farms and towns and cities and and so to include those, if you're doing a study of a transportation system, whether it's a river, or road, or train, to include those places that it impacts, and um, instead of just walking the tracks. Perfect. Because if you're walking the tracks, I mean, you know, you're going to see the same thing mm -hmm. and you're going to see different kinds of trash maybe. But if you can tie in, my LA River is a good experience because I really, I limited my, um, my limitations to 100 yards from the, from the river. I could not include anything in the project that was more than 100 yards from the river. And the richness that I found even in that hundred yards was amazing. It was much better than just the river itself. Cause then what I would be seeing was just concrete and graffiti and some water. <laughs> right. But, but I think you have an opportunity to really get to know the areas the train goes through and how the trains have impacted those areas. You know, what were there originally passenger trains and now that's stopped and the, and the uh, old passenger depot is now turned into mm -hmm. something else or it's abandoned. That's all grist for the mill of this kind of project. Yeah. Yeah. You know, these tracks are, they're old. I mean, they, they were played an important role in the civil war. And actually they go pretty close to my house and they, um, they a little bridge that's been there since the civil war. It's been rebuilt, but. Well, it's good. It's, yeah, it's it's also good to include, you know, when when you're when you're done, either before done, during it doesn't matter. When I put together the book for the Ohio River, I went, you know, I tried to do some research about because the river has been so important to the history of the United States. I went back and found that there were uh, uh, free. The New York Public Library had made it, all their uh, photographs free for download. And I found this, you know, kind of Civil War era map of the Ohio River, and I put mm -hmm. it very early on in the book. Yeah, I like that. And, and then I had I hired someone, an artist, to hand draw every the, the river as it passed through every state. And I think there's an opportunity because of the historical nature of this railroad to do something like that to get dig into the history and find some historical documents or photographs. And include them as part of your presentation. That's wonderful advice. Thank you. Okay, we're done now. No, I'm just kidding. No, okay. Okay. Speaking of your Ohio River book, um, Mark was nice enough to send me a digital copy of the book, and I, I was obviously interested because I grew up on the Ohio River in a small town called East Liverpool, and I was just pleased as hell that he. Two photos in that book are from my hometown. And I think you said one of them is going to be in an exhibition, right? Right. The Davis, the Davis Orton Gallery in Hudson, New York. Right. Starting actually June 26th. Oh, well, that's, that's very soon. We're recording this on the 24th. I know you're listening to it a little bit later. Well, tell us about the, um, the Ohio River book. I mean, you couldn't have done that in five days. I mean, you're right. That's I a, it's long. <laughs> I did it in 12. Sorry. 12. That's still, that's fast. I did two, I did two trips. <laughs> okay. Um, I have, first of all, the 
all the skills I learned scouting, you have to, you have to learn to find things when you're going 60 miles an hour. Mm -hmm. Hmm. That's, that's one thing. Another thing is that the Ohio river, because of its um, history as, as kind of a farm to market um, transportation corridor, there are roads paralleling it almost all. It's a thousand, it's a thousand miles. And unlike, other rivers like the Missouri or the Mississippi, which don't have a lot of roads paralleling it, the Ohio River does. So you can you can just kind of keep driving on these roads and stay within a quarter mile of the river. And I hit every town. I mean, we're talking hundreds, and you can see in the book every little town, every little uh, hand drawn map that has a town. I was in that town. Every bridge that crossed the river, I crossed the bridge. Every ferry that was able to be taken, I took the ferry. The other part of it is that um, I have a friend who's been my friend for 58 years. He lives in Boston. He's a retired ambulance chasing attorney. <laughs> he loves to drive. I hate to drive. So three or four times a year, at least, we, I pick some place to shoot. We meet. We rent a car. He drives a minimum of 10 hours a day, 12 oh hours a day. I never get behind the wheel. So I'm just looking and I tell him, stop, turn around, you know, let's go this way, let's go that way. I do all the logistics as far as where to stay, where to eat, because it's not totally unplanned. I have a general idea. I'm following a river or I'm following a road or I'm doing something like that. And then he does all the driving. So I have the stamina to be able to do that, maybe 12 hours, and then go back, you know, have dinner, go back to the hotel and then download and, and back up and edit for another two or three hours and then start all over again, you know, dawn the next morning. Um, I mean, for example, a project like the Ohio River, how many photos would you have taken? Um, Just well, a guesstimate. Uh, I, th I think I can tell you. My, my ratio is very good, and that comes from shooting film. Mm -hmm. um, it was only 1,500. Wow. That is a great ratio. There were two trips. There was a two trips, one in the spring and one in the fall, because I wanted to get a little different. Yeah. And um, so that that trip took two weeks. I was surprised. You know, when I saw that, I thought, you must have worked on this for a couple of years. That Again, that goes back to my scouting yeah. training. You had no time. You, you were dropped into a place you've never been before. Maybe you got a few days to scout a big city or you know, a whole state or I once had a scout. Um, Australia, several places in Australia, um, Thailand, China, and go back and forth to LA. I think I'm leaving out something. I think I had maybe 15 days to do that. You're kidding. No. No, it was a horrible oh, movie. Horrible movie called uh, "The Great Raid." Well, I'm going to have to look it up now. "The Great Raid." I'm going to have to look you up on IMDb. So, um, so when you do these big projects, what do you? Uh, I mean, what kind of gear are you using? Do you stick with like one camera, one lens, or are you using? I, I am a. I am a. Here, here's here's my gear. I I I've had. By the way, I've had. 10 knee operations. I've had four knee 
transplants. Holy cow. So, you know, I thought if I was ever going to do a monograph, somebody ever came to me, gave me that honor, I would call it 100 yards from my car. I remember you saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm okay now. I had my uh, the last uh, double knee uh, tra- uh, implants finally worked a few years ago. But I really couldn't walk very far, especially with a lot of gear. So, and when you're scouting locations, you can't take a lot of gear either. Mm-hmm. You, know, you don't know where you're going to be. You don't know what you're going to be doing. You're going to be carrying it all day long. Um, so, my gear now is a, a Sony full frame mirrorless camera, mm-hmm. A7R Mark III. And as a backup, I have the Sony RX100 Mark VI, mm. which is probably the best um, point and shoot there is because it, it has a one-inch sensor versus the much yeah. smaller sensor on the other. And it actually, the, 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 fo- the zoom length on the smaller camera almost matches exactly the 24-240 I have on my on my uh, big camera. So I, it's very comfortable for me to switch back and forth. Also, the little camera is very, very good for poking it through um, chain link fences. <laughs> the lens fits perfectly through a chain link fence. <laughs> I probably get 10% of my pictures through a chain link fence. That's important. Uh, that's yeah. funny because uh, I started shooting this project uh, a few weeks ago and I don't know how many times I, I had to shoot through a chain link fence. So. Yeah, get a get a get a uh get a small camera with you know little little lens. Sticks right through there. <laughs> yeah, my lens is a little fatter. I I'm using a Leica Q, but it, it fits through the, the chain link fence. <laughs> cool. Cool. So, um, I mean, you do just, it seems like you, you do tons of projects. I, uh, um, you know, your website's just full of them. I mean, you, are, are you doing this nonstop? No, not at all. Most people would say there's way too much on my website, but I, I you know, I, I just don't <laughs> care at this point. I'm too old to care. Um, I, I'm always planning something. Um, if, we, if we're talking about a non-COVID time, mm-hmm. I usually take um, a minimum. I usually take two to three international trips a year and you know, four or five domestic trips a year, something like that. So I'm always planning. Um, I'm always planning, uh, shooting, or editing something, but I'm not always traveling. But I, I certainly, I intend to get back to that rhythm as soon as it's uh, safe and practical to travel anywhere I want again. Which probably won't be. I don't see us traveling internationally for another maybe till spring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were supposed to go on a trip in the fall, and we said, "Nah." Not going to risk it, so we put it off till next yeah next spring. Actually, we can't. I, I usually take my international trips with my wife and my domestic trips with my friend. Mm-hmm. But we canceled. Uh, we, my wife and I canceled trips to Japan, Brazil, mm-hmm. and Italy just last year. And Ouch. I don't see us going to Brazil anytime <laughs> nah, soon. I don't put I'll put that one off for a while. Yeah. So anyway, we're 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 just 
very impatient to go traveling again. Yeah, I can imagine here. You you must have been climbing the walls during the height of the pandemic. Yes, definitely. I did one project. Um, if you have time to look at, um, it's at the it's kind of at the bottom of my list of projects on the website. It's it's called um, <laughs> I forgot what it's called. One second. Uh, Oh, it's called it's called unincorporated. Unincorporated. Okay. That was my that was my pandemic project. I once a week I would go out into the desert north of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. trying to find a place where it felt like there was no pandemic. And um, well, there's lots of places like that. It's called South Carolina, Florida. <laughs> well, no, I'm talking about <laughs> you. You Kidding. there was no. I no. I understand exactly what you're saying, yeah. and it, it is. It is kind of darkly funny what you said, <laughs> for sure. Um, but I'm talking about there is no sense of a pandemic. There's no visual reference to a pandemic. There's uh-huh. no. There was nothing. There was. It, it was so kind of people live there, but it's kind of so isolated in a way that um, you didn't feel. There was no people lining up in masks. There's no people on the street. You know, there's no traffic because there was never any traffic. It just didn't change at all. So I felt, I just felt that was a kind of a, a statement I wanted to make. I wanted to get away from the pandemic. And I found a place that was only about 40 miles away where I could do it. And then I just explored it every week. I just spent a day out there. Um, it, it, you know, it's a very eccentric place up there in the high desert of California, of, uh, near Los Angeles. And I just wanted to really get involved in it. So like up Route sixty six up that way? No, no. It's it's if you t- if you literally go due north, there's actually a map on the um, on the page on top of the page. If you go to the uh, website, I'll go there with you. Oh, oh, that's it with the big with the big red line around. It. Yeah, yeah. And then then you can see in the little inset where it is in relation to uh, L.A. Okay, there's a little inset map. Yep, I'm looking at it right now. So I created a, a community that doesn't exist. <laughs> Lancaster West. Lancaster West. There's a place called Lancaster just to the just to the right of it, and that's uh-huh. kind of a you know a, a bigger city. You know, it's kind of a strip mall kind of a place, and then to the, to the west of it is this kind of very desert. You know, a lot of eccentric people, a lot of eccentric landscapes and eccentric houses. And, but there's nothing tying them together. So I just said, this is my place I'm going to during the pandemic. And I created this place called Lancaster. It's a f- completely made up place called Lancaster West. The names of the little towns you see are real, but you, when you go through them, you don't even know they're there. Mm-hmm. It's just a, a, just a, a, a bump in the road. Yeah. And it doesn't, I mean, looking at the photos, it doesn't look like it's anywhere near Los Angeles, let right. alone only 40 miles away. Right. But if you had taken these pictures a year before the pandemic or a year after, they'd be the same pictures. Yeah. That, you know, I don't know if I made the point well enough in my statement, but that's what I was trying to do. Cool. Yeah. Well, everybody listening, go look at this. You'll have Mark's website in the, uh, in the notes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really good. It's beautiful. You know, I mean, everybody's got their... Everybody's got their pandemic project, every photographer. Mm-hmm. But I was, I was kind of sick and tired of seeing the same 
empty Hollywood freeway and mm. people waiting in masks to go into Home Depot or, mm. you know, I just wanted to do something different. This was, this was my take on it. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. I like it. Yeah. You, um, as I said at the opening, you were the winner of the Los Angeles or the LACP um, series contest. And your photos were really strong. Um, and uh, I mean, it was, it was clear to me that, you know, you, you were the guy when, when I said, when I saw your work. So, um, and, and by the way, it's in the magazine in the, must be the May issue. I can't remember now. I think it's the May, June issue. Right? Yeah. It would have been either May or June. No. So it was May. And, uh, yeah, we do one every month. So, uh, you know, everybody go look at it. All you subscribers, if you're not a subscriber, shame on you. We need the support. But, uh, yeah, go check it out. We've got a whole section on, on Mark's work in there because his street photos were excellent. A lot, a lot of the stuff you did in the along the river there, it, you know, it's what uh, what I've learned is uh, n- the new topographic movement. I don't know if you've even heard the term. Oh, you have. I, well, not only have I heard it, I think I've been doing it all my life. Okay. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. And uh, matter of fact, we're going to have uh, a guest on in a couple of weeks who does some really brilliant new topographic work. Um, but uh, we'll worry about that later. So, uh, but but then you do some you know, really dynamite street photography as well. I think my, the, the, um, if you look at my, um, typologies portfolio on the website, that's maybe, uh, even closer to the new topographics than anything else I do. I, I, I've taken these really mundane things and put them in grids and, uh, it's a little, a passion of mine. These, uh, Typology grids. Well, I've got to look at that too, man. You, you do. He's got he's got the most robust website I've ever seen. I mean, it's like going to the library. Thank you. And yeah, I I didn't notice this before. Well, you did one on the Great Smoky Mountains, and I was just there last week, um, just for a day. But uh, yeah, I've got to, I've got to check that. I was looking. You did one on the Chesapeake. I, is- I do. I, what I like is to, to find, um, you know, things are changing so fast that I like to find a region that has a, has a, a definition in people's minds because of what it used to be, and then to explore it and see if it's still that. Um, you know, the Chesapeake, uh, for example, people think of, you know, crabs and fishing boats and, mm-hmm. and you know, in Baltimore. But do they really think of anything else? Or, you know, I did, a, I did a project on the Ozarks. People think it's just a bunch of, you know, white trash, whatever. But, but you know, it's much richer than that. Mm-hmm. And uh, the same thing uh, with the Smoky Mountains. People think of hillbillies or, what, you know, it was a really rich region. It actually was doing a lot better than, you know, people think of it as Appalachia, but it actually, the towns were doing very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the people were wonderful, so I I, I just like to take a, a region and define it for myself. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at your Smokies. 
Smokey's uh, series here. If I see one of this, this giant cross that we, my wife and I saw on the highways, I thought, oh, look, he's, he's got the big cross on there. I didn't I see that. Like, oh, I also love when people laugh because I, I try to put as much humor into my photography as possible. You do. Like, honk if you're Amish. Right. And there's another one. Let me see. Let me get to that uh, page. Oh, the, the one with the tiny little shack with the giant satellite dish, for example. Yeah. The, my favorite, though, is the Chamber of Commerce sign, which is just all faded away. You know, what does that say about the, the state of the economy in America in Johnson City? You see that one? Oh, yeah, yeah. I almost didn't see it because it's faded away. Right. <laughs> the Chamber of Commerce has become a ghost sign. That's, that's some, that there's a statement there somewhere. Yeah, yeah, not a good one, but uh, it is. I mean, it's just such a beautiful part of the country, and like like you say, it's very, you know, it's very rich and and diverse, actually. And so, so yeah. green, and so green. I'm not used to it out here in L.A. Oh yeah, so no, green. you're not. You're not. Yeah, I was on an airplane once. Uh, I used to live in Cleveland, and a you know, plane took off, and I was sitting next to a couple from L.A. That's where we were flying, and. You know, flying over Ohio and it's all green, and they go, "Boy, it's so green here." Go, yeah, it is. As is most of the country, except for that desert you live in. No, one of the best scouting jobs I ever had was. Um, I just, I just, I was just looking for on Dead Poet Society. Mm-hmm. They just wanted a place like a a valley to composite the school that they were in. Mm-hmm. You know, there was like a kind of a gothic school, um, and I got hired to drive the entire length of Skyline Drive and Shenandoah National, uh, <laughs> with the the, the what Shenandoah Parkway. Yeah, right. It's right by our house. Just to find one shot, yeah, where they could uh, digitally composite a building onto into a valley. That, that was one of the better jobs I've had. Yeah, that's. Uh... Yeah, that's a good one. And there's didn't lack places to photograph, that's for no, sure. No. So which one did you choose? Do you remember? I don't. No. Was, that was God, that was uh probably thirty years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's where we go on hot days. It's about ten degrees cooler up there, so and Lord knows we get enough of them. Where where are you now? I'm in Charlottesville, Virginia. Okay, beautiful town. Yes, it is. Yeah, we we like it a lot. It's not the best place for street photography. Um, I've got to say, uh, I was up in Washington D.C. a couple of weeks ago, and it's the first city I've been I was in since the pandemic started. The last city I was in was Auckland, New Zealand. I won't go into the whole story there, but. Um, when the pandemic started and then you know of course we've been here in this little town the whole time and when i went up to dc it was like a culture shock i think you'll find when you do your railroad project that um you know you don't need people to do street photography and um i'm perfect proof of that and i think i think it'll i think you'll enjoy where you live more when you find you can do these street projects that don't depend on people. That I agree. The, the, the echoes of people are, to me, 
I think I think pictures the human face lies. You could you can put up a, a portrait of a serial killer next to you know someone who volunteers at a hospice, and you you don't know which one is which. Mm-hmm. So I I I like to. So when I do shoot people, I like to put them in the. I want to get them in the environment they're in. The environment's more important than the person to me. And you know, I think you'll find a, a railroad track and what it goes through is a fascinating. I may, I may steal your idea. <laughs> Go ahead. No charge. They got plenty of railroad tracks around here that I haven't. Yeah, followed. you do. <laughs> the um, no, but I'm glad you said that because I agree with you completely. Um, I don't think you have to have people for it to be a street photograph. Many people will disagree with that, but I think that's why I was drawn to the new topographic movement. I I had put a photo on in our Facebook group, and someone said, "You know, that's really a new topographic photograph." And I didn't know what it was, so I researched it, and uh, I thought, "Yeah, you know, it's it's really not about people; it's about the f- effects of people." And um, there, you've done some some brilliant work like that. And um, I, I'll put a link in the show notes to a Facebook group called the New Topographic Movement Facebook group, which is, uh, do you belong to that by any chance? Uh, I don't. I don't, yeah. but I will. Yeah, check it out. Some people are just, yeah, they're just so creative, such excellent photographers out there, you know, taking pictures of water towers and abandoned factories and things, but they're very well done. Yeah. I, well, that's, that's, that's my, that, I, that's what I enjoy doing. I, that, that's exactly what I enjoy doing. I love going to a place. When I, when I shoot in LA, I, I usually do it on Sunday mornings. I actually did a project called closed on Sundays. Uh, that's probably the first, if you go to the first one on my website, Let's see. I'm, I, I, you know, I was looking something up. I'm going to share with you. Okay, yeah, closed on Sundays. Oh wow! <laughs> um, of course, you guys can't see this, but they, these are photographs of all these stores that closed in LA, and they all have these big gates that go across. Well, it's the. <sighs> It happened. This, it's a very sad story, actually. But um, my my wife was terminal. She was mm. terminally ill with cancer. Mm. So for the last three months of her life, I was her caretaker. And I only could go out and shoot on – I only could give myself a few hours off on Sunday mornings. Otherwise, I was with her. And so I, I think, what can I, what can I shoot that's unique to Sunday, Sundays? And I found all these little mom-and-pop storefronts, a lot, of, a lot of them in ethnic neighborhoods where they're very religious. And all, it's a family-run store. They don't have the personnel to be open on Sunday or they're closed for religious reasons. And they all have the old, old-fashioned iron burglar bars on Sundays. And I just, it was just a very wistful thing. You know, I was watching my wife. You know, it was like, it was like the, an iron bar between me and her because she was she was leaving this earth, mm. and so I did it for the three months before she passed away, and then the three months after, and uh, it saved me. It, w- it really saved me. Photography can do that for people. It can just because uh, you have to be in the zone mm-hmm. to take good pictures. You really have to clear your mind, 
And I, I find that time and time again, if I'm in a bad place, it just saves me. Wow. Well, I'm sorry to hear about your wife. That's thank you. Thank very, you. yeah, very hard. These photos are beautiful. Well, you know, I don't know who said it, but to me, the the uh, painting is the art of of addition, mm-hmm. and photography is the art of subtraction. Right? Mm-hmm. And this is these are talk about new topographics. These are these are on every street. They're in every commercial center in the county of Los Angeles and almost any other city in the world, these little shops. But if you just take away all the other stuff around it, uh-huh. they're, they're little works of art. They're little folk. It's folk art. Mm-hmm. These people have no budget for advertising. They, you know, All they can do is put some stuff in their store window in a way that would grab your attention. And uh, you know, so I would just go out for, you know, like, Eight o'clock to noon every Sunday for six months, and and um, and do this, and it it just saved me. You know, and I don't. They wouldn't be as compelling if those iron or those bars weren't closed. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Especially if you know the backstory. Yeah. Yeah. That's. Uh, yeah, the light's beautiful. Of course, you know. You probably haven't had a cloud yet this year. No, we we. I I also it's June. Did, what am I saying? I also did a project. Um, I don't know if it's on the site. Let me see if it is. Yeah, it is. Okay. It's the second to last of the typologies, where um, right on right behind my house are two uh, utility wires. And I just decided to uh, burst the bubble that people have that LA every day is sunny without any clouds and the same, it's the same every day. And I also found that these birds would arrange themselves almost in musical notes. But they also would keep a distance like men in a urinal. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, you know, if there was an empty, empty urinal, they would, they would not use it. They would go to the next one. <laughs> so I, I, sh- I shot I shot for every day for like 20 days, I think it was, um, just to see how the birds would arrange themselves and to see how the sky would look different every day. Did you find that one? Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. You've got a lower a lower percentage of sunny days than I thought. Well, I think this is in June. That's why oh, we okay. have June, June gloom. Um, I was going to ask you something. You were talking about uh, railroad tracks in L.A. I, I just wondered if you know a photographer in L.A. named John Free. I don't. He, um, I saw a, a film about him on YouTube. And this is going back years. He photographed uh, a lot of homeless people. Uh, he interacted with them and got very close to these people. Beautiful photos along the railroad tracks. And these were guys who would ride the rails. Uh, in current times, this, you know, this wasn't back in the old days. Just beautiful work. And I, I thought, well, you're in, in the same market. Maybe you know him. But, uh, I'm surprised I don't. I belong to you know, a few uh, groups, Facebook groups and uh, 
LACP. I don't know if he's a member. Um, but then again, we haven't seen anybody in person for a year and a half. So yeah, that's true. Well, I'm gonna, I'll, uh, I'm gonna send you a link to his website. I've got to find that video. I mean, it, it's very, very interesting. Um, it's you know, from my perspective, it's well done. You, you being a professional filmmaker, may have a different opinion, but I'm sure but, I'll like it. I mean, one of the reasons I move so fast is I don't have to talk to people. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy became embedded, right? That's what that was. He did. That's what he did. And you know, some people feel that my, you know, that my work must be superficial if I don't, you know, spend four hours talking with somebody I'm taking a picture of. I, I don't feel that way. I, I think I think I like to. I embrace my my position as an outsider when I'm shooting someplace I've never been or haven't been in thirty years. Mm-hmm. I think I, I, I embrace that. Uh, that point of view. Um, I think the pictures I take in LA where I'm very familiar are, are different than the pictures I take in places I don't know. I, cause I embrace the out, the outsider thing. I don't, I don't pretend that I've become embedded in these people's lives. I, I think it's important to see through the lens of somebody who's new to this place. And I, that's I think if there's anything that makes my work different, maybe it's that. Oh, uh, I I think so. Um, I meant to mention this to you. I mean, you did the you did the book about the Ohio Valley. I mean, Ohio River Valley. I grew up there, and to me, it's like ho hum. I don't even want to go back there. Actually, I am because I'm going back for a high school reunion. But uh, you know, and I I just look at it with different eyes, and then someone like you comes along and finds beauty in things that. I wouldn't have even paid attention to. And, well, you know, I could I could have spent my time taking pictures of meth heads with no teeth in Steubenville. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I, that's not let somebody else do that. Yeah. I think I think the state the state of some of the the buildings and and that sort of thing tells the story as well as you know, I don't I I don't know. I, I just don't want to take advantage of somebody who's down in their luck. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, absolutely. Yeah. I, I just don't want to do it. Yeah. Like you say, let, let somebody else do that. Someone who you know wants to tell the story, whatever. But uh, yeah, you're the second person, second photographer I've talked to that's shot in my, my little town. And the other guy, Scott Houston, who is actually from Scotland. Scotland. He lives in New York now, but uh, um, his wife is from there. And he took some very powerful photos. Now he he will photograph junkies. I mean, he'll spend time with them and talk to them and and take photos of them sticking needles in their arms and powerful stuff. But um, you know, things that I didn't even know existed in that town. So it's nice to come with fresh eyes. Uh, that's how I feel about it. Um, you know, someone from there or someone who embeds themselves, there's no question they can maybe dig a little deeper than I can. But I, I, I'm just trying to show the wonder of being in a new place. Mm-hmm. And that, that wonder can be all positive, all negative, or mixed as far as the outcome, the, the, the photograph that results. But, it, but I'm, I, I think other people pass by things because they're so used to them, they don't notice them. So when a new person... Mm-hmm you know, parachutes in, 
they see things differently. That's what I try to do. That's why I try to do most of my work away from where I live. Because I, I, uh, I feel very excited and um, stimulated to be, be in a new place and have new inputs coming into my brain. And mm-hmm. I, I'm as guilty as the next person of if, if I'm driving around LA, I pass things all the time that someone new here might be very interested in. You know, that brings up a point a, a old boss of mine made once. He said, you know, if, so you, you bring some boxes into your house and you set them down in the living room and you just leave them there. You know, and every day you look at them, oh, I've got to do something about those boxes. And after a while, you forget about them and you're just walking around them and, and making do with it. And then somebody walks into your house and says, hey, why are these boxes sitting in the middle of your living room? And you go, oh, yeah, I forgot about that. Same thing happens in your absolutely. town. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, before we go, I, I have to ask you about something. I've been looking at it the whole time we're talking. You've got a pretty large printer right behind you. Yes. So do you, how much do you print? You mean volume or? Yeah, I mean, how much? No, yeah, do you print a lot of your work? or? I, I, I exhibit a lot, um, and I... I uh, I have 110 photographs in my own house. <laughs> really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> framed, framed photographs hanging on the walls. 110. Yes. Do you switch them out? Yeah, I switch them out. Yeah. And I do the same thing for the gallery work. I just, I just have this rotating. I, 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 uh, I started switching my frames out into, uh, sw- uh, I forget the word, they're, they're switchable frames. So you mm-hmm. can take the back out. Mm-hmm. And replace the picture. So I just I just got three pictures back from the gallery yesterday, and I'll just for the next show I'll just switch them out. And um, so I, I I you know it's not a lot of volume. Obviously, I probably print uh, you know maybe a couple of hundred pictures a year. I don't think it's much more than that. You know, plus whatever I sell. Do you um do you use have use the same size frame everywhere in your house? No, no. I, I there's some there's some pictures that I like to print really large. There are some spaces in the house that don't have. There's not enough space to put a large picture. Um, I also do a little experimentation with paper. I I um, I'm really into. I, I only print in two two kinds of paper. Okay. Uh, Hanamiula Museum etching, which is a very thick watercolor textured paper, which I love. I'm trying to blur, you know, I'm sorry, your readers and you will never maybe get to see a print because to me, that's still the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And I I try to blur the line between photography and painting. And I, I, you know, I, I I try to follow a lot of the, the um, traditional rules, you know, the rule of thirds and all that sort of thing. I, I, I like my pictures. I'm looking for about, I'm looking for, for order in the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can do that with my pictures. I can create order in the universe with my photographs. I think I'm, I'm, I'm off track here, but no, the no, answer is, the answer is I print to whatever frames I have in the closet and where they'll fit on the wall or what is required for the gallery or what is required for the sale, because I have various sizes. Mm-hmm. 
I haven't had to buy a new frame in a couple of years because I have so many of them. I, I actually bought a one of those um, Home Depot sheds, you know, these yeah. eight by 14 sheds just to have frames in them. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't have to keep buying new frames. A frame junkie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's a good thing because you're printing your work. You can actually see it and feel it and touch it. I love printing. I love I love printing. I don't spend a lot of time editing because they're not I'm not pushing Photoshop or Lightroom to its, you know, mm-hmm. to its limits. That's not my thing. Um but I do love printing. I love I love seeing a print behind glass on a wall properly lit. Um and you know, I wish I could take you on a video tour of my house. Or send you a print. How about that? Why don't you pick a print off my website and let me send you one? Okay. I love it. I well, you can see. Well, you can't see much behind me, but most of those are ones from people we've had in the magazine. I'd be I'd be honored to do that. Oh, okay. Okay, I'll, I'll do that. The hard part's gonna be making a choice. <laughs> the other paper I experiment with is uh, Japanese kinwashi paper. It has all these gold fibers in it. It's incredible. But it, it has to be the right, uh, half of the right amount of negative space and the right color palette to make be successful. Wow. Interesting. Now, with, the, um, with your gallery prints, I mean, do you have everything already framed and packed in boxes so you can just ship them off to wherever you're doing an exhibition? Uh, I... I you know that's just too expensive and too mm. too much storage i just i keep these empty frames around and when i need to you know frame something i just print it and stick it in the frame i've got you know a variety of frames a variety of mats some some i don't need mats for um i just try and keep my costs down because you know this is not a big uh <laughs> this yeah. is not, not a big money maker it's not the titanic I, I, yeah, I, I, fortunately for me, I, I this is an expensive hobby I can afford. It's mm-hmm. more than a hobby; it's a passion. It's mm-hmm. a avocation. But you know, I'm not going to make any money doing this, so I just try to keep my costs down. Um, and you know, I think I'm. I have a. I give myself a budget to submit things to send out work to galleries and curators, and I try and stay within that. But I don't let it. I don't let it. You uh, uh, rule my life. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so when you, I mean, when you, you know, you choose a photo you want to print. Do you find yourself making several different prints before you get it the way you want? No, I feel I feel like my system is calibrated so well that hmm. um, I know exactly what I'm getting. Okay. Uh, a lot of times I'll print something and I put it on my walls before I you know, feel confident enough to maybe send it to a gallery. Um, but, but basically I can tell the only, the only thing that comes out might come out a little differently or unexpected is the uh, Japanese paper. And I use that very rarely because that, that, that's, that's not as consistent as the Hanamula paper. The texture is not consistent. The fibers are not consistent. And, Colors come out differently on this paper than they do on regular photo paper or, uh, you know, fine art paper. 
Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't print my own work. I I send it out, and I'm still trying to find somebody who's who's really good at it. If you could, if you could get a printer, I think you love printing your own work. And yeah, you know, if you, if you if you get, you know, if you get the right printer, um, over time it's cheaper to print yourself than to have somebody print it for you. And you're cheating yourself in one of the more uh, fun things about the process. Yeah, that's a good point. It's a good point. Maybe it'll be my next, <laughs> my next purchase. <laughs> All right. Well, Mark, uh, I tell you, it's, it's been a real pleasure talking to you and, uh, definitely like to keep the dialogue open. But, uh, before we go here, I wonder if you can just tell us where people can find you, see more of your work and, and see, learn more about where they can go see your stuff live. Well, I belong to uh, uh, a group in LA called uh, Los Angeles Artists Association, which has a gallery called Gallery 25 on La Cienica in West Hollywood. I almost always have something there. I belong to LACP and I submit to a lot of their uh, calls and a lot of times I will get chosen, but you know, they've been, you know, they're, everybody's just reopening now from the pandemic. Yeah. And like I said, uh, before we started that I'm, I'm having a, a portfolio. I think it's 12 images from the Ohio river work being shown at the Davis Horton gallery, Davis Orton gallery in Hudson, New York, starting on the 26th. Uh, let me see what else is coming up. 26th of June. Right. Yeah. And then, uh, then, then how long would that be up? You know? Uh, let me see. June 26th to July 25th. The reception's on July 10th. Okay. And I'm in, I think I'm in, I'm in the uh, current, uh, I think this June issue of F-Stop Magazine. Oh. Um, I just got pictures back from the Slow Exposures Gallery in down south somewhere. I forgot where that is. And I'm going to be in Estuary Magazine in, in the December issue. That's my Connecticut River work that I just completed a, a few weeks ago. You're a busy guy. And then, of course, your website. What's that? That's uh, markindigphoto.com. Okay. And then if you have links to Facebook and Instagram, I'm sure that's all on your website, right? It is. Everything's on the website. You know, contact. You can fill out a form to email me or just it has just my email link, a button. has my Facebook information. I usually... Uh, you know, I'm certainly interested in getting new friends on Facebook. That's where I, I'm not an Instagram guy, um, but I, I, I do post a lot of stuff on Facebook, you know, maybe once or twice a day. And I do all my announcements of, of uh, where, you know, galleries and magazines and publications and that sort of thing I post on Facebook. Cool. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks, Mark. Again, once again, I, I appreciate you being with us. 
Well, I, I, I love this opportunity. I, again, I never thought of myself as a street photographer. It was a really struggle when I was deciding which images to submit because I didn't want to submit everything that had people in it because that's not me. But I was very fortunate to have a judge, and yours truly, who, you or you, who <laughs> were open enough to uh, consider images that didn't, maybe weren't traditional street photography. And obviously, I've had a lot of opportunities because of your choice. I you know, won a, a, a money prize. I've got this in your magazine. I have this interview. Um, it, it's just opened a lot of doors for me, and I'm very grateful. Mm-hmm.